The Protect Your Neck Podcast. UFC Sacramento Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man From a white oak tree People sitting on porches Thinking how things used to be Dark night It's a dark night Dark is up you savages this is the protect your neck podcast and i am your host dan tom analyst is where you can find at mmajunkie.com as well as mma junkie radio book on this year podcast the protect your neck podcast we break down high level mma that's what we're going to do here today tonight whenever you listen to this hopefully it's before the fight because it is another tight out for me we're getting it out 24 hours before the show, folks, but no, I, I, I broke my promise like a bad dad uh, once again, <laughs> um, but you can already tell I'm much more lively. It's much more better than doing it at the wee hours of the night. I decided to get some sleep instead and, and record it uh, in the morning as I'm noticing my keyboard further uh, pop out. My goodness, this computer is still holding up. Um yeah, so apologies for that, uh, first and foremost. So I'm going to make this a pretty fast version. And I'll be honest, it's going to be fast anyways uh, with you know the, the, the fights dropping out to the fights getting swapped. Um, I didn't have time to go back to look at a lot of these guys. So um, it's going to be the old uh, sure dog tapology slash just breakdown uh, for some of those fighters uh, that are coming in here to the UFC. Um and I'm, I'll be honest and upfront about that. I hate doing that. That's usually why it's my excuse for usually, I guess, why uh, things are late because I always want to make sure I have a, uh, a take for you. And uh, the only way to get that take is to do the work. And uh, I'm a big proprietor in that. That's why I hate not doing it. But if I don't do it, I'm going to be honest with you. On the fights, I did and not, um, I did and, and, and did not uh, do extensive study for. That being said, uh, you know. It, could be a slim run of plays, but I do have I have about three or so uh, that that I'll be uh, playing and you know giving out to you, not giving out to you like I'm fucking some you know <laughs> telling you what to play, 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 place your money. That's not that's not me. Believe me, I always give you the uh, caveat. You don't gotta follow me off these cliffs, but uh, but you know what I mean. I always I'm always honest and upfront. That's what that's what uh, this show is about, amongst other things. So. <laughs> Um, all right, we're gonna get, we're gonna get to this one so we can turn the page, and, and we're gonna have a much better week this next week. This week's kind of been crazy for me. Um, we had contender series, which I'll briefly brush over. UFC 239, which I'm gonna briefly brush over again. This is an expedited uh, edition, folks. Don't worry. Um, I do timestamp when necessary, and of course the picks and plays. If you want to skip to that, all the way at the back, I always recap them there. Um, but no, it's just been a bit crazy. Uh, uh, you know. Getting ready for international fight week, going through it, coming off of it, lot, lot, you know, a lot to unpack. But right now, it's a like cold leftovers at this point, so I'm not really gonna reheat them too much. Just, just, just a, a quick breeze through, if you will. And you know, right into a week where there's three cards, or at least major cards. I know there's more. Uh, not trying to not get low. We got you know, Bellator 224, ESPN Plus, you know, 13, which we're breaking down here for shortly. And uh, you know. Dana White Contender Series, which thank you guys again uh, for uh, 
checking out my grading articles and and checking out the pre-show with uh, me and me and Captain Morgan. And uh, and and big shouts to Ken Hathaway for doing that live stuff. He's like just doing TV production and reeling in promos that you see later on in the show. Uh, UFC gives them to us a little early there. We kind of integrate them into our little pre-show, and it's uh, it's a good time. So check that out um, on MMA Junkie. And uh, but yeah, yeah, your boy here between that and then also I've been like back and forth to the car dealers. I had to go one more time because my dumb ass forgot fucking my. Uh, garage door opener in the rental but i've been back and forth with car troubles don't worry i'm not going to get in no one cares but yeah that's another reason why this was late it's it's uh it's been a crazy week for your boy so um my again my usual excuse is i i've been doing the work and i you know i pump my chest but no none of that i just hat in hand folks hat in hand and let's get to the fucking breakdowns and recaps uh first a breeze through the recap uh again a dana white contender series um Maybe my grading winners article it was it was definitely definitely a, a fun night there. Uh, not too much too much to say, uh, but UFC 239 was uh, obviously a fun night. Uh, John Jones defeat Tiago Santos. Uh, you know, scoring's all over the place for what it was worth. I had uh, Jones three four five. I want to say um, maybe live. I thought it could have been one two five. What was cool because. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm still trying to adjust to this, you know, ESPN Plus era, and one of my smart TVs, the one in the uh, main room, didn't have the, doesn't have a, you know, the app access, so I got to do the old, uh, you know, uh, thingamajiggy, uh, you know, HDMI cord to the laptop. So we're essentially listening off app laptop audio, and I actually had a decent amount of friends over. Shout out to the junkies that were in town, whether I saw you or I didn't, or I got to hang out or didn't. Uh, believe me, uh, you know. Uh, Y'all, y'all, what are my thoughts and hats? And it's always uh, the highlight of my week when I get to see the junkies, especially if I actually get to hang out with them. Uh, so uh, thank you for those who came over, uh, and th- that was a good time. But, yeah, it was funny. There was not a lot of audio. The reason I'm sharing this because, like, you know, we're all, you know, we've been drinking and having a good time, and the food just got, you know, got there for the main event, so we're kind of, you know, our eyes, who knows how much we're really watching the fight between talking, eating, drinking, all that good stuff, right? Not scoring. But uh, I, I still think my, my score was pretty close to how it was when I went back to rewatch the one fight. This was the one fight I did go back to rewatch. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you could go 49-46 Jones if you wanted. Uh, again, my colleague John Morgan, I think he scored all four Jones. I mean, it's really subjective. Um, I do like that. Giorgio Camijo was clearly going off of damage. The one Tiago Santos scorecard, which I believe was one, two, and five. If, uh, but yeah, I, oh, that's Ben chewing his bone. Uh, yeah, uh, my scorecard was uh, you know three, four, five. John Jones, um, and uh, and yeah, again, you know, something I've been saying in the breakdowns as far as you know, when people are looking for the weaknesses. Uh, I didn't pick Tiago Santos here, but in the breakdown, I did state that it wasn't so much the puncher's chance or even kicker's chance. Like I said in this podcast too, like even if he just gets John Jones to exchange kicks and check kicks back and forth with him, um, John Jones could get the worst of it. Now it didn't appear so because Tiago Santos's knee went to shit from a pre-existing injury. He also had a pre-existing knee injury, so. There is that kind of caveat there, whereas Jones, who appeared to be in control, and credit to Jones for his poker face. Again, the guy fucking competes, man. He's a competitor through and through. He's not a paper champion. He's not a front runner. Um, credit to Jones. But again, we saw it again. You know, this isn't the first time he's had to limp off the battlefield. This is a consistency that goes dating all the way back to his career. 
uh, pretty much, more or less. So, he, you know, um, it's, it's that frame. So, you know, can someone else expose it? Sure. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. we got to be careful because the striking stuff aside, whether what played out to even what, you know, some of us might have called as a possibility. I know I wasn't the only one talking about it. Let's not forget that Jones, for whatever reason, yes, it was dumb, stubborn, whatever you want to choose. He, uh... He didn't. He didn't use his wrestling. So, so we got to keep that in mind. But, uh, but yeah, going forward, I, I, I don't think it's uh, it's going to be anything anything too crazy there. Um, sorry, one second. All right, I'm back. Sorry, the kid goes to ta- he doesn't go to the town of the bone all week. Like he hasn't done it like since the last time we recorded this podcast, and he's like, oh, dad's fucking. Dad's doing his podcast, and we just start chewing on this bone. I say kid, by the way. Don't not feed, I don't have a child, and I'm feeding him bones, by the way. I'm talking about my dog, Benjamin, who uh, loves to make his appearance on this podcast. So, sorry, pushing through. But, yeah, that was – sorry, that kind of skipped out there. That was Jones and uh, Santos. Uh, Amanda Nunes and Holly Holm didn't get a chance to go back and watch that one. But, yeah, uh, the kick part I didn't see, but but the countering part and the patience, yeah. Uh, Amanda talked about that, and that's what I suspected uh, – as I pointed down in the rent gown, uh, what was going to happen? Uh, I, I didn't see it so early. I saw it maybe by round three because Holly is so damn tough, as she showed, still trying to just fight through all that craziness. But uh, but yeah, props to to, to Nunes. Uh, Masvidal beat Askren. That was the one I, you, and many others were looking forward to most. Um, although it did reach that kind of and not. You know, I didn't realize it because, I, I mean, I, maybe I'm just so numb. Like, yeah, I know there was crap talk back and forth. Like, that's Ben Askren's thing. I don't I don't see what's new about that. It, it, if anything, it helps his popularity and aids his style because he makes guys angry and maybe overcommit to things. And Masvidal seldom overcommits, so, uh, but but he could get him angry, so he played with fire, and, and, and uh, that's what happened. Um, I'm, you know... I don't want to say I'm bummed that I didn't pick Masvidal as in like, oh, hindsight, because I was saying that before the fight happened. Even not knowing the the decision and Askren was favored to win and a lot of people uh, whose opinions I and you probably respect were picking Askren and all that. I was still fucking regretting picking against Masvidal even before the fight. Um, and uh, and it's just one of those fights that I hate for that reason because, I you know, I hate picking against guys I like and especially because things like this where I feel like maybe I'm overcorrecting the steering wheel you know because I'm uh, you know I, I've been on Masvidal before it was cool because now all of a sudden it's fucking cool like like every and I love the after the factors too they come off so hard like that's what I hate about these matchups like these not the what I just stated like for personally I hate picking against you know guys I like and all that kind of weird dynamic but I'm talking about another reason why I hate matchups like these because even though it wasn't as big it had that Connor Khabib feel where it's like you can't, you know that level of uh, retardation and uh, not that that's not it's okay to root for fucking teams and this and that. I love y'all. It's not on a personal attack, but you know what I mean when you have to just live and die. Like, can we just enjoy? Can't we fucking cheer Masvidal and say hope Askren's uh, doesn't have any long term damage after that? Like, is is that okay in any universe? Like, I don't, I don't. I don't understand that, you know, and especially like, af- like I-, I bet half the people that are like were after the thacking like picked Darren Till to beat Jorge Masvidal, uh, you know, which another reason why it was funny. Like people were coming at me like, I'm like I fucking picked him when y'all didn't. Like uh, I- I've known about this guy. Picked 
you realize <laughs> I was on part MMA Junkie Radio this time. I was only a, a, a listener, but like Masvidal was one of the few fighters MMA Junkie Radio sponsored back in the day when that was kind of a, you know, the, the, the lines were even more blurred, let's just say, from media-wise. And that's why, you know, it was very short and sweet. But yeah, man, um, like, my, yeah, like, so I just found, found it funny for like, for me of all people, people were to, to come at for that. Like that's I knew they just didn't, you know, were just ignorant. Like, ah, like, uh, oh, this tweet aged well. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I am a dumbass for not predicting that the fastest knockout in UFC history was about to happen. You're right. But by the way, thank you for giving the same treatment to my other tweets, which, you know, for the most part, you know, the analysis is pretty, pretty correct. And for the most part, the picks are also correct. So, and I'm also very respectful how I go about it. Couldn't have been more respectful, but you look at like the replies, like people are just like, you fuck. I'm like, Jesus Christ. So it, it brings out the worst. And, and unfortunately, uh, I don't know. Um, like again, by the end of it, like by the end of Connor Khabib, like both fans suck, bases suck. Let's be honest. And uh, that's kind of how I, I I felt about. Well, the Askren fan base was pretty quiet, right? They didn't really have much to, to talk about after <laughs> after that fight. But you know, with, with the uh, Masvidal things and the people, like, oh, it's so cool and this and that. And it's like, listen, I'm still a fan of Masvidal, even though. And I felt like uh, my serious XM colleague there, Luke Thomas, had a great take. You know, um, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't encourage others to do it. Uh, it's not my thing. I don't think it's sport, all that stuff, but it's the game that they play. They know what they sign up for. And Ben Askren, credit to him, who's taking things like a, a champ uh, and better than most, you know? Hey, if if in some universe, I know that's the least likely outcome, but if Ben Askren somehow pulled off a miracle and knocked off Jorge Masvidal, I don't think Masvidal will be taking it this well. And uh, you know, Askren t- took it like a champ, man. Gave Masvidal the credit that it was due. That it didn't dismiss the... Uh, Dismiss it as just oh flukiness or stuff like that, and 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 yeah, man. So hope Askren's okay. It's brutal. It really kind of trajects his career, but you couldn't be happier for Masvidal, man. This guy's been at it for forever and, and just couldn't get respect. Um, again, you know, uh, not just me. Many of my colleagues have been just talking about this guy forever. So before you come at the media or whatever, like or someone, it's just. It, it's it's ridiculous, man. Just just be happy for 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 one guy, and uh, you don't have to like the other guy. But Jesus Christ, yeah, man. I don't I don't get it. We're, we're, you just got to admit the hypocrisy. I'm still a Hendo fan, but that shot out that, that he delivered to Bisping was was not you know sportsman. Like that was that was ugh. you know at, at the time you know you're just like oh, I have a beer in my hand. I'm a fan. I'm a much younger man at the time. I'm like <laughs> you know like oh wow that was badass. But then you. You know, suffer things of your own, concussions of your own for, you know, those of us that are, you know, uh, actually uh, have stepped in and and put themselves in those positions. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you get some empathy. God forbid, people. God forbid. And I know I'm not preaching to you guys. I know the listeners of this show are, are much more educated. But, man, that was just that's what I don't like about those matchups. It brings out the worst in people, even <laughs> you know, from fighters to fans, right? Uh, anyways, moving on. I'm going to blow through this real quick, folks. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, Blakovitz uh, got, got that one right. He, Polish power. How, and, by the way, like, if we're like, you know, if people are like, but Ben Askren talk shit, he deserved that. Like, if people are hanging their hat on that for all the fucking post-hyperbably, you know, after the factors, like, talking about karma. Like, there was no bigger karma on this card than, like, 
Luke Rockhold, the guy who's not even like trying to be like douchey as a stick, like he just comes off that way because apparently he's actually a pretty nice dude if you know him, Luke Rockhold. But yeah, he doesn't help himself. Like he actually comes off like a douche and it's not to help his career. Um, and then he will actually say stuff that's very bully-like, like, 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 let's say the Jan Blachowicz, just like, oh, small feet, you have small feet. Just like, you couldn't write this shit, like, he can't, you know, answer a straight question without being fucking awkward as shit, but goddamn, does he come off as a natural when he, when those, when those, those brief glimpses of him being the bully? And how fucking karmatic is it that he's the bully, he's this image or whatever, and I'm not subscribing to that, by the way, I'm sure... From what I've heard, he's a really nice guy when you know Luke Rockwell, you know him in person. But again, that's his image, and then he even says small feet, and Jan Blockowitz kicks him in the fucking head. How the fuck are all you people not talking about that? Huh? Huh? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Anyways, Michael Chiesa to be Diego Sanchez. Jesus, my streak continues on the pick-changing curse, which uh, it's going to be... I'm challenging the pick-changing curse gods again in this card. We'll go get to that in a moment. But, uh, but yeah, I had Michael Chiesa, been a big fan of Chiesa at Welterweight. Picked him to beat guys that are, like, my favorites, like Carlos Condit. Believe me, like, I, I like Michael Chiesa. We just had him in the studio. He was saying all the right things. I was telling that to, uh, I think, Aaron Bronstetter uh, when I had him on for the Top 5 episode. But, again, I... When I went back to watch the footage, I'm like, you know, this might be one of those weird ones where just the matchup is. And I've been on the wrong side and the right side. I've been on the right side of that with his Diego's recent run, and and before that at lightweight, even when he was amidst a terrible run, you know, um, I've been on the wrong side of that with Marcin Hell, where I picked Hell, but I think it was on a, a void because I had a feeling what was going to happen was going to happen. I just didn't have the balls to make that pick. Um, and then of course you even go back, you know, even though it's irrelevant, obviously early in his career, uh, but because the, 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 the grappling generally tends to, 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 to go toward the last, maybe the wrestling goes at a certain point. Sure. Which we might've started to see the inklings of that. In fact, because Kiesa was just out positioning, out scrambling and Kiesa hustles. That's not like exactly anything new, but Diego Sanchez is just a master kind of scrambler and always been able to survive, which he did survive. He just wasn't able to get anything off. I thought there should have been more 10, eight rounds there, to be honest. Um, but yeah, uh, props to Kiesa and I'm just, uh, and I wasn't even like in studios. I think I was swayed by Diego Sanchez's, uh, anal virginity interview or whatever, that crazy thing that went kind of viral there, which was hilarious. But, uh, yeah, no, that was a d d dumb of me and props to Kiesa. Um, Alan defeated Melendez. Sadly, we could see that. I love Melendez, but yeah. Uh, Vera, uh, if you know, Hernandez, uh, bottle, like I said, I know Ellen was going to surprise y'all, but then he was, that was going to in turn force Marlon's hand to really get that submission. That's exactly what we saw. Um, Claudio Godelli defeated Random Marcos, uh, bad call, I guess with the Marcos, but like, again, like that was a, even for Marcos being inconsistent throughout her career, that was like really bad. And even like the commentators were, you could tell we're saying so. And a lot of people, Marcos supporters, like, that was just a really bad performance from her. Really bad cornering as well. Um, Song Dong defeated Alejandro Perez. That was beautiful right hand. And yeah, that, that, you take the scorecards right out of Perez's hands. That's how you beat that fucking guy. All right, Edmund Shabazian. 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 Shabazian there. Edmund Shabazian defeated Jack Marshman. That was a uh, quick work. Uh, chance. Uh, uh, Ren counter uh, defeated Ishmael uh, Nardiev and uh, 
Julia Avila defeated Penny Kianzen. All right, that's results for that. How deep are we in? Oh, 19 minutes. Okay, I'm probably going to have to timestamp then. Okay, we're going to get right into this breakdown. This breakdown might be even quicker than the fucking recap, folks. I ain't even going to lie as I pull up odds here. As per usual, ESPN on plus 13. Going down in Sacramento, we're going to go from bottom to top. <laughs> Maybe even touch on some Bellator on the way out, but let's let's get to. All right, Aspen Lab minus 145. Lines come down a bit. Drain Durandamy plus 125. Um... Money coming on Durandamy, like I said in the breakdown, which should already be up at MMA Junkie. Excuse me. Uh, no written this week. Uh, that's what the editors choose, and uh, you know what? With as crazy as it gets, I've, I, I used to go to battle to try to keep my, my old format, folks. Just a little peek behind the curtain, but uh, yeah, man. <laughs> I don't blame. The, I don't. I, I, I don't blame the editor. I've tried seeing the numbers sometimes too. I don't blame the editor, especially on weeks like this. I don't blame the editors for not wanting to do it. I don't blame. And I don't want to write it all the time, too. So, uh, yeah, that was a win-win, I guess. So, But, yeah, no, no, none of that. But we do have a nice, nice video me and John Morgan did for you for the main event on Bellator 224 and this one. And I said Drain Demand to me is a good dog if you're looking for one. Many people underrate her, and I feel like bad making that argument because I'm actually picking against her, which um, I've been pretty spot on about her before. Uh, I think she's been undervalued just because of that narrative, like the shots after the bell. And whatnot, and yeah, she's a she's a mean Dutch fighter that wants to get you back, but it's the ref's job to get between them. That's that's the that's the business. Which is again, it's funny. Like again, half those people that are like, "Watch for all, you're stupid for picking them. Askin deserved that." But those same people are probably like, "Fuck the running to me for punching Jake with your my poor Holly Holm." <laughs> again, it's just. It, Sports full of hypocrisy. All, the least he can do is admit it. I try to admit to mine, but yeah, you got to cut through that shit with the machete um, and look at the random skills for what they are. She's a skilled fighter, man. Uh, that counter right hand is going to be there. Uh, Lad's been hit by it. Um, it felt like uh, Eubank got stunned more. I must have been really in the mood with that fight, man. I, uh, not that it wasn't as good in the rewatch, but I was just fucking high, uh, high on it as balls. Like I just injected it in my veins like a Jim Belushi in the '80s and shit, you know. Just anyways, wow, Dan, that's a that's a really relevant reference. Um, but uh, <laughs> but but yeah, no, the shots didn't appear as bad though when I went back to rewatch this one. Um, not, but then again, I, I don't know if Lad wants to rely on her chin. She looks like she's taking shots well traditionally. Um, she only looks to be getting bigger and stronger. But Duranami's, you know, next next to Nunez is, is the last chick you want to take those counter right hands from. She really uses her frame well. That being said, I mean, if you are going to pick anyone against Duranami, she has shown better takedown defense. Like she's shown some real athleticism. Where like. People have gotten in the body lock. They've gotten behind her and around her leg. They look to turn the corner, and she's doing, like, Jose Aldo shit where she, like, weaves her leg out mid-fucking fall to catch herself. Um, which, by the way, not just Muay Thai, but uh, a proclivity for Dutch-style Muay Thai, but also comes from soccer. Uh, so there's maybe there's a little bit of that athleticism and proclivities to fight a certain way. But, yeah, she's, she's, she's you know, minus the jiu-jitsu to fall back on, though she is saying that she, you'd be surprised. To quote uh, Brendan Schaub, which uh, I didn't even talk about. Oh, Jesus, I don't want to sidetrack there. But, um, but yeah, uh, speaking of retards coming out, right? Jesus, tweet, tweet, tweet about Brendan Schaub. Tweet something even like justly negative and justly fair and mild opinion and watch people get offended. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Again, not, not my listeners, thank God, but uh, my goodness. All right. Um, the fuck was I talking about? Oh, yeah, Durandamy. Jesus, I'm going to get to push through here. Uh, 
yeah, uh, she, you know, she doesn't have that jujitsu to fall back on. Though she's telling people, you know, don't 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 sleep on it. That being said, man, lad just lad just punishes people on the ground. I mean, you're gonna if you want to pick someone to beat a Duran to me, you, you want you know someone that's gonna do forward pressure. Uh, if they can't get them down, push them into the clinch. And if they get them down, be able to hold position and, and finish. And that's what Lad does, you know. Say what you will about her key eyes, but uh, unlike Holly Holm, she's actually making contact. And it's smart, you know. Like, I don't, I didn't think that Lena Landsberg was going to get out of that position. Um, but, yeah, she made the ref get in there maybe a little a little early before Lena was, was really hurt, hurt. But, uh, but it was going to go bad for her. Um, and Lena, you know, showed that Muay Thai, you know, as a fight I went back to watch and she showed that Muay Thai to kind of, uh, stifle Aspen lad and, and give her body knees and immediately, I mean, that's a bad sign, man. I mean, the way Durandamy just levers in her fucking knees from the clinch, that is a really bad sign. But lad, even though she was showing signs that it bothered her, did all the things, kept fighting, never let it physically and mentally discourage her, even though, you know, maybe physically showed at times because she had to react to it. Um, she still kept pushing forward. She still stayed on the clock. And uh, it was more of an issue, and she said it in the post-fight speech, and she just forgot what her, kind of her game plan was. It was just normal. She's young. She needs to make mistakes, and she hasn't had to pay for it with a loss yet. So she's lucky that she just had a, a quote-unquote, you know, semi-bad round for her mistake. And, yeah, she, 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 you know, she makes up for it the next round and gets right to work. Um, she can hit level-changing shots, trip takedowns. I think she's going to have to rely more on well-timed level-changing shots with Durandamy, though, because she... Durandamy hasn't given takedowns recently, and her clinch work has been great. Now, I don't know if Holm was as... You know... I, I, who knows? Holm could have uh, taken down Durandamy in that fight. Uh, I think it was impressive that she held Holm off, given what Holm has shown. She is a physical... One of the most physical bantamweights Holly Holm is, and she shows she could take down you know, a physical girl at 145. And Megan Anderson, granted, Megan Anderson doesn't have great takedown defense, um, but I, I don't think Holm was that confident. She wasn't um, going for it. You could even hear her corners, which were arguing and going against each other, Winkle John and Izzy, giving her complete different advice, almost passive aggressive <laughs> with, with Winkle John. Yeah, just knock her out after, uh, <laughs> after Izzy just lays some technical advice, which, again, I actually agreed more with Winkle John there, anyways, but this just was funny to hear that, that, that passive aggressiveness in that corner. For 208. But, um, but yeah, uh, you know, Lad got right back on the clock. And here's another thing, too, is, like, I, I want to ask Aspen, is that, like, Drain Durandamy has a really unique clench where, like, it's almost like, I don't know if she does on purpose to adapt it from Muay Thai, where instead of going full plum, she'll go, like, half plum, which is, I guess you could call an Irish collar. But then she'll get an underhook, a deep underhook, and come up and kind of complete the plum on the back of the head. But the hand is coming from an underhook side. And it puts their opponent in kind of a precarious, it kind of makes them weak and gives her something really tight. And of course, accompanied with her head position, allows her to steer her opponents. And it's really beautiful what Durandamy does. I've never seen another fighter, male or female, do it, except going back this time. And I, I, Lad was doing it. Lad did it against uh Lad did it against Landsberg. And then she fights a different style clinch fighter. You know, again, I think I might even take a shot on Evinger because I'm like, oh, Lad needs to get it to the clinch before she gets to her strength. But the clinch is Evinger's strength, and Evinger's a scrappy grappler. That's got to be the last thing to go, right? And maybe, maybe Evinger is shot and 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 toward the tail end of her career, like her resume and age would suggest. Sure, but she fucking fights her ass off. She still took you know Cyborg into the third round, which was the longest at that time, and she comes back against Lad and. Um, 
And yeah, um, she was able to stifle and 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 start kind of doing her thing, trying to uh, trying to get her grappling going. But Lad eventually turns her with that same thing that Durandami uses and beats her and gets her down and starts beating her down. And I'm like, wow. So I've seen her beat a Muay Thai clinch. I've seen her beat a clinch, a Greco wrestling clinch. I've seen her just out wrestle chicks consistently. Um, beat a jiu-jitsu girl, a, a qualified jiu-jitsu girl, and Sajara Eubanks. Um, I mean, it could be too much too soon. I would not be surprised to see Durandami lose here. But if I'm looking at it from a style's perspective, what, what style am I, am I gonna am I gonna pick to beat Durandami then? Uh, so I got Aspen Lad here, but uh, I'm I'm staying away from it. I'm, I'm not super confident in it, and I don't blame anybody taking Durandami for the dog. All right, uh, I obviously did study on that fight a lot of it, so that's why it's a little lengthy. These will be faster. Uh, Ricky. Simon Vato. I know a lot of you are just tuning in just for that. Ricky Simon. Uh, minus 350, Uriah. Uriah Fiber. <laughs> Joe Martinez, Uriah. Oh, do we get Joe Martinez? I hope so. Fuck yeah. Some Joey Martinez. I hope we do. Plus 290. Uh, Taking Ricky Simon Vato. I know I tried to take a shot against him with Yaya, but Yaya is one of those dudes, unless it was Joe Soto against him. Uh, I, I usually take a shot on. And Yaya fought his ass off, tried every entry. And it was good because even though it wasn't good for Yaya, it, it was good for when you're looking at this fight because it showed the discipline. He, he, didn't, uh, he, didn't, he didn't falter, man. He didn't falter. You know, uh, Yaya was doing single legs, double legs, half guard dives, guard pulls, um, everything he could, hitting him with right hands, headbutts, which cut him open. Uh, and Ricky Simone didn't let us, Simone Vato did not let any of that face him. And that's exactly what he needs to do here. Uh, that being said, Uriah Faber can still pop. Power is the last thing to go. So he's really going to have to check that right hand faint combo. Um, if Uriah has improved anything, it's been his jujitsu. He's been doing competitive jujitsu. He's been staying in the rooms. He stays in shape. So I'm not too worried about any of that. But as far as progressing as a fighter, man, I mean... Just the shuffling right hand, takedown, takedown, feint, feint right hand, right hand, takedown, create a scramble, get to the back, choke, create a scramble, guillotine. I mean, that's pretty much been the, the outlines of all his fights for the most part. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think Simone's just going to be boxing and, and leg kicking, and, and it's going to be very similar to... Uh, Jimmy Rivera, or as Uriah Faber likes to say, Riviera. I think he started to say Rivera now, finally. But uh, FF Faber does not like Rivera, does he? But, uh, yeah, I got Ricky Simon Vato for a dominant and depressing decision. Um, I don't know if he gets the finish. I think not, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, all right, next fight. Mirsad Bektik, minus 155. Josh Emmett, plus 135. Remember the pick curse? Yeah, that was this fight. So basically, like I said before, Junkie, we got to turn in our picks like by like Tuesday night. I think it's like Wednesday morning, but I just try to do mine by Tuesday night. And my brain is just fucking hamburger because um, usually like even without the Contender Series, I'm just trying to, you know, I usually got all the main, the co-main, like the, the main fights are all done. But like as far as the rest of the main card, especially if it's like a six fight main card, I might not have gotten to all those on a normal one, especially if I'm doing, you know, uh, prepping for contenders during the day, pre-show fights, go home, rewatch a couple things just to get freshened up on it, uh, hammer out my article and it's already freaking midnight. Um, and then 
I gotta just try to touch up really quick enough to get these picks in because uh, let's just say uh, old Uncle Maddie does not like when we change the picks. He handles he handles the pick board over there, Junkie does a fine job, and the man's on double duty this week. He's over at Bellator two twenty four. I mean, our editors work fucking hard, so we we try our best to try not to change our picks. We try to have them all in and on, on <laughs> hopefully on time for, for for our editors. So it's it, it's nice and uh nice nice informed. So. But uh, I did a late change last week, and it's usually on Thursday, you know, Thursday or Wednesday it happens. Uh, and uh, this one, man, I, I picked Bechtick going. It's just, you know, favorite. Um, I tend to pick against Emmett, and not because I don't like him. Uh, by the way, <laughs> speaking, speaking of people that might not like, I was listening to a recap of, of his last fight uh, post uh, uh, Michael Johnson uh, on the old heavy hands there, and shout, shout out to Phil McKenzie. Who said uh, Josh Emmett was like one of the what looks like a character from Mad Max Fury Road? <laughs> oh, that's so uh, oh, that Phil. But uh, that was a good one. <laughs> I can't stop thinking of that. By the way, son of a bitch. But uh, but no, going back and watching the fights, I went back and watched uh, some decent amount on the, 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 this, and essentially it just was like. It, you know, it just goes back to Bechtick's thing, and they actually started talking about it on the commentary, I believe, for his last fight against Lamas, which he made that closer than, than he needed to. Um, granted, Lamas is a tough out, and you guys know I back me some Rick Lamas, but, uh, and I respect me some Rick Lamas, but, but yeah, he just, you know, when I looked at it, I'm like, this guy just wrestles himself tired, win or lose, or fights he's winning or should be winning by bigger margins, making them closer. And... Despite the Jonathan Chamberg and going around taking things serious and Dulce Diet and checkbox, 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 athlete, athlete, athlete. I mean, sometimes maybe it's a genetic thing. We've seen that with certain guys. And he's not like super built and explosive muscle and a knockout. He is a grappler at the end of the day, which is extra alarming. Like he, sh on paper, should be getting least tired doing the strength, right? And in watching Josh Emmett, he... He's a comparable wrestler on paper, uh, but not uh, blowing you away MMA-wise because he doesn't use it that much. But even when he he's, was taken down at lightweight by like really big guys like the Des Greens of the world, the Scott Holtzmans of the world, he was still really quick to hit scrambles and back up and showed multiple options from half guard, full guard, high guard, um, and knowing how to scramble safely back to his feet. Like He showed everything I wanted to see. Uh, and that's all he's going to have to do if he can avoid avoid getting pinned. And you know, Bechtick did it to Elkins, and that's and that's no you know say what you will about Elkins. That guy can grapple, but then again, I I would suspect that Josh Emmett is much more athletic and mobile and a better and a better scrambler at this point of their careers than Darren Elkins. And not that MMA math is a thing, but look at the uh, Lamet, Ricardo Lamas, Darren Elkins, and Josh Emmett. Uh, Mirsad Bechtick little time continuum there. Um, forget that the Josh Emmett uh, knocked Lamas out, but Lamas thoroughly handled Elkins in his last fight. We'll get to Elkins later. Thoroughly handled Elkins. Um, and while, you know, Bechtick was able to escape really tough positions, even when Lamas, when Lamas gets that turtle side ride on, on guys, like even Diego Sanchez, like that was a, Lamas was probably the best guy to grapple Diego Sanchez when I was looking back and looking, and granted that was a, diminished 145 Diego Sanchez, but that was still really impressive. Like, And Mirsad Bektik knew exactly what to do. He was hip bumping, going right to his tripod, letting Lamas slip forward and re-wrestling in on the wrestler. It was really impressive. Obviously, Bektik's a wrestler too, but you get what I'm saying. It was really impressive. Um, 
So, you know, he, he he's definitely got, got the skill there, but I don't know if it's going to be able to, like, submit or hold a guy down, uh, even Emmett. So uh, that means he's going to have to be striking with Emmett, and although I could see him being safe and keeping a jab, like, you can get Emmett into, like, kind of a striking pitter-patter battle with you where he's kind of just... He throws away more left hands than he he uses them. He's mainly you know he's mainly got his right hand, but with that left hook that he hit Lamas with, like you 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 have to respect it when he's hooking with that left hand. Otherwise, he's really just throwing away a lot of jabs and kind of looking to set up his rolls, right hand and roll or roll into a right hand, slip into a right hand, uh, finish with a leg kick occasionally at, at the end of. But it's 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 a lot of a lot of window dressing on those entries. Um, and you can get him to play that game. The problem is, is once he gets his timing on you, he is good. And more importantly, especially this is this plays into a guy like Bektik. If Bektik wants to wrestle Emmett here for his victory, which I suspect he might want to stylistically. And again, that's a danger considering he tends to tire himself out doing so. Um, if you want to wrestle someone, typically you have to come forward on them and pressure him. And that's what guys, you know, have and when they have done well against Emmett, they've done that. So I'm sure Bektik's going to look to do that. But the problem is Emmett's actually best striking on the feet. And we, we saw it in his last fight. And we saw it before he got in the UFC against Christos Yagos. is walking guys into his right hand. He walks guys into that right hand. Um, and I see him doing that here. So I'm actually going to take a shot on Emmett. It got bet down to plus 135. It's been getting bet down. Um, I got him at plus 140. And I actually took a shot. Easy, Derek Love. Derek Love alert. Round three, plus 1425. I took a a quarter unit stab and I also threw a whole unit on Emmett just to win straight out um, I could be wrong here but it's one of the dogs that I, I, I came up with where I actually uh, did the study here so take that for what you will folks next fight I did not do the study for Carl Robeson minus 210 versus Wellington Terman plus 175 uh, don't really know shit about Wellington um, I think he was a, as a Bra Brazilian cat I'm going to be looking it up now uh, but Carl Roberson was originally supposed to face John Phillips. Um, I liked him in that matchup as well, respect to Phillips. I mean, Roberson could have given him the fight that he wanted, but as a southpaw, I liked uh, I liked that matchup with uh, Phillips. I feel like that would have been an interesting look. I feel like his leg kick would have been opened up with Phillips, and then he would have had the ability to go to the ground and had a advantage there. But this other gentleman, uh, you know, he beat uh, Marcio Alessandro by rear naked choke. That's not nothing. Um but he generally fights at 185. A young kid, 22. Um, he's already got some losses out of the way. Pretty experienced for 22, you know, fighting since 2014. But I haven't seen Ish on him, so I'm going to go ahead and pick Robertson and assume that Chalk against the newcomer is, is probably right. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to be doing anything with that, though, man, to be honest. Uh, all right, uh, next fight on Zadokit is um, Marvin Vittori, minus 145 versus Cesar Fajeda. Plus 125. Here, speaking of Southpaw versus Southpaw matchup, here's a, here's one. This should be really interesting. Um, I, I like Vittori here. I think the reason why I should be favored, he, you know, he's faced good jiu-jitsu guys before. In, uh, win or lose, he's been able to beat some, lose to some. Uh, Brown Brown Brazilian jiu-jitsu himself, you know, he actually started through jiu-jitsu. You know, athletic guy like an Eric Anders, but he actually started through jiu-jitsu. Even though he's a Southpaw middleweight who looks like and does hit heavy. So one of those misconceptions there. Decent wrestling, um, questionable, you know, fight IQ with his last fight with the, the you know, the Israel Adesanya. You know, in hindsight, maybe we should give him credit because he did better than most. But also, you know, there's just a lot of stuff he really could have done, and I got to imagine that's been itching at him, and he's itching to get back. So is Fajeda, uh, but Vittori's been away for longer. 
And I like his style in a southpaw versus southpaw matchup. I'll generally favor a Muay Thai striker if it's a southpaw versus southpaw matchup, especially because it's hard to measure the south the same stance when it's the southpaw versus southpaw matchup. You think, oh, they must be happy to. No, folks. We don't often get other southpaws to drill with. We don't get southpaws to spar with. So we've had to predicate our game both learning lessons in class and sparring in in the in the field that we have to predicate our game around the orthodox game. So it does not make it a, any easier. Um, but I will favor his over the Capoeira uh, left hand, left kick, circle, 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 uh, and throwing naked kicks is going to be really bad. And I just really wish that MMA Masters Camp would stop having their guys do it because uh, it could cost them here again. Uh, I got Marvin Vittori probably by knockout, actually. Uh, all right, or TKO on the ground at least. Um, all right, uh, Mike Rodriguez minus four thirty. John Allen plus three forty five. Uh, Dana White, uh, maybe I don't know if they say it like that on the Dana White Contender Series thing, but yeah, that's why he was. John Allen fought Vinicius Mojera. Uh He lost. Uh, they're giving him a shot here because he he came back and won a fight against somebody. I forget. But, uh, but yeah, not much to say, not much to know. Uh, let me just actually pull it up. I can't even remember what Mike Rodriguez is. I think I was at his last fight. Was I not? Was I not, dude? Um, Mike Rodriguez. Nope. Oh, I was at his loss against Devin Clark. Uh, I, I, I did pick that one. Um, Adam Milstead. Sounds impressive. Uh, I think I missed this fight, though. Yeah, I don't think I went back to look at that one. I was, in, I was at Bellator during it. I don't know if I went back to watch that fight. So sorry, folks. There's Joan Allen. Uh, yeah. Okay. Not much to say. Um, I guess he's chalk for a reason because Joan Allen is taking this on short notice. So, hey, like that analysis, folks? Top notch, huh? All right. Uh, next fight. Shaman. Come on, Shaman. Shaman Rice minus 110 versus Andre Feely. Minus 110, man, this fight just been changing since last night to before I looked at this and to when I'm recording it now this morning. Wow. Uh, it, it should be even. I have this on my fights to avoid for that reason because it's just so goddamn close. And I actually watched footage for this. Um, I came in leaning towards Shaman. But I can see why my money, why money is coming in on Feely, man. Feely's been underestimated in some matchups that I thought have been tough uh, stylistically, but he's really kind of went the board stylistically. He's got some really good experience. Uh, he's seen the worst of the worst, and uh, it, he's only gotten better from it, you know, which is tough to say. I mean, you want to talk about bad knockouts. It wasn't maybe as bad as the Asker one, but that was terrible, the one he got from Yair. And uh, he bounced back from that. But the reason why I took him against Yair and the reason why I'm going to take him here is because he's always had underrated wrestling. He actually wrestled a bit in school. Uh, he's always had a really underrated power double one of the more effective uh, takedowns. And when you're betting on a wrestler, it, it, it always feels better when they have a nice power double they go to. You're not relying on them to close space and get to the clinch, <laughs> again, as we saw last weekend. Um, so I like that. And, you know, he can fight from both stances. So Shaman starts getting off on the leg kicks. Um, he can start He can start uh, going there. And he's active enough with his left hand that I think, it, and he's got long enough of a reach where I think he can deter Shaman's tricky up elbows. Uh, I also got to imagine they've watched tape on that. Feely seems like a guy who's watched tape, who watches tape. Uh, I know he does a lot of training, or I don't know, but I've heard he does a lot of training outside of Team Alpha Male as well. I'm pretty sure with his boxing by the look of it because it's really getting better. Um, 
So, yeah, give me touchy-feely. Unfortunately, I think it's going to be another hard-fought decision because both guys are just tough to get out of there. So for, that, that's going to suck for either guy. They're just, you know, because they both seem to be in these hard-fought decisions, and they're just both so fucking hungry to get to the top. And great fighters. So, uh, or guys I like at least. So, But I, I got feely here. Uh, no play. All right, Juliana Pena minus 185, Nico Montano plus 160. I mean, what do you need to know here? Uh, I think Nico Montano is a southpaw. I know she's switched up stances sometimes in fights, I believe. I haven't done tape study uh, 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 since uh, the fight she pulled out of against Sevchenko, so I, I don't know. I didn't bother to go back for this one, folks. Pena's been out forever. Um, line should be about right, though. Um, I, I'll take Pena. Uh, to get it to the ground and probably dominate. I don't know if she'll get the submission, but I think it might just be one of those ugly fights where both girls are getting their feels. All right, Ryan Hall, minus 105. Darren Elkins, minus 115. Looks like um, money coming in on Elkins, huh? Okay. All right. Uh, maybe that explains why I got such a good price on the prop that I'm going to be uh, explaining to you. Yeah. Um, it's weird how you can look at it. You look at a, a terrible matchup or a good matchup. Um, again, we saw... A guy with just a little bit of wrestling in a well-rounded game spark out a guy who was a specialist in Ben Askren. But, you know, from the obvious answers, not everybody's a Damian Maya. But we've seen, you know, uh, other specialists like Crone Gracie. Uh, we're almost seeing that jiu-jitsu specialist being able to come back. You know, for a while, they started everything with Hoist Gracie. Uh, and then they had a strong presence through the mid, I don't know what you want to call it, the golden era. But by the end of the golden era, I would argue, you know, um, by the end of the golden era, uh, it was already becoming a, pre you know, w w while we were turning over to, uh, from UFC 100, it was already becoming present that without wrestling, these guys needed wrestling to get get it to the floor. And people were learning enough wrestling. And jiu-jitsu guys were falling in love with their striking and not learning their wrestling. If they were, if they were learning anything, they were just falling in love with their striking, like George Grigel's of the world. Um, so they started getting washed out again, but now the game caught up to where some jiu-jitsu guys learn their wrestling, like a Damian Maya, or also like a Damian Maya, they found that they don't need to necessarily be the better wrestler. They can just shoot the sloppy shot kind of like a big nog and dive to guard and do these different things. And obviously, although it might not be the most entertaining when he fights the Grey Maynards of the world, uh, you know, like another good wrestler, another good wrestler, so we could get something like that here, but... Uh, Hall is not beyond trying some weird shit, I guess. Gotta drink it while it's hot. I forget about my coffee. Coffee talk. Coffee talk with Dan Tom. Oh, that's good. Um, he's not beyond doing that stuff. And with the fight-to-fight -fight gaps, you know, he's putting in work. Uh, you know, what kind of work? I'm not sure. That's one of the... Interviews I didn't get to. Uh, shout out to James Lynch and Over the Score MMA. Uh, he always good about getting interviews with these guys ahead of time. Uh, go subscribe to their channel too. It, it, it makes our boy James look good. He's he's one of us. Doesn't matter you know who yeah. But uh, I didn't get a chance to watch that interview. I'm sure he talks about what he's been doing specifically. But he's a really bright guy. I like his mindset. And Elkins. <laughs> well, Darren. Matt Damon, Matt Damon. Darren Elkins is the Team America Matt Damon doll. <laughs> no, I like Darren Elkins. <laughs> I still remember after the Mirsad Bektik fight, I was not on MMA Junkie Radio at the time, but I was on as, a, as just as a guest. Uh, and then Darren Elkins getting interviewed. I'm like, Darren, 
this crazy high, this crazy moment. You could, uh, if you could, uh, if you could drink one thing, what would it be? Uh, the most expensive, you know, whatever wine. Like, what would you, you know, what would you do? Would you do the fifty cent champagne thing? What would you do? What would you ask for? Uh, meal, anything. Meal or lie. <laughs> all right, all right. Thanks, Darren. <laughs> but no, this guy's an animal, man. The damage, and um, you know, maybe he he does try to fight smart and keep it away. Uh, you know, keep the grappling away in circle. He's got underrated. Uh, he's got underrated counters in the sense that when guys get in striking range with him, he'll he'll throw his uh, cross hooks. But I just have a hard time seeing him avoid that game. I haven't seen him avoid it yet, and uh, I, I know he's confident in his grappling skills. And uh, I think if unless he just finds unless he's able to rock Ryan Hall within the first round, I think Ryan Hall eventually gets his game going. And if he does, then how do you not get him by submission? I know he subbed BJ Penn. I'm not putting that much weight into it, but I mean, yeah, he's the first guy to sub BJ Penn as well. And you're going to put plus money by submission on a submission specialist against a guy who can't help himself but grapple. I'll take a shot. I'm not saying you jump off that cliff with me, but for plus 170, Ryan Hall by submission, that is the uh, the last last play of the day here. All right, next fight. Ping Wong Lu, must apply minus 150 versus Jonathan Pedro Martinez. Pedro, plus 130. See, I, I get ethnic with every. I, I spread it around, folks. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, people that tweet, like, they thought I was sensitive because I got mad at that Brendan Schaub tweet of him making fun of the Chinese UFC doctor who, like, speaks perfect English, and Brendan, like, just characterized him into some ignorant Chinese guy for his skit and didn't even make the skit funny, so it just looked really bad. But, uh, no, I'm not a social justice warrior, folks. If In fact, if you listen to this podcast, you would hear that <laughs> I touch on all the ethnicities. I keep it fair here at the Protect Your Neck podcast when it comes to uh, racial poking, uh, but I'm actually gonna take um, I'm gonna take Pedro Martinez for the upset because no, probably because I, I honestly didn't watch anything on this fight. I'm guessing Ping Wong Lu is gonna be the favorite because he can actually grapple and control, make it really ugly. And uh, but I don't know, man. Um, Pedro's pretty scrappy from that. Uh, Jonathan Martin, Jonathan Pedro is pretty. I love that he plays up the Pedro thing, even though he's super shy. It's pretty scrappy from that southpaw stance. Um, he's gonna be uh, coming in. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll take I'll, I'll I'll take my fellow my, my my Chinese brother. I'll take the Chinaman. Uh, Chinaman is not the preferred nomenclature, but yeah, he's from China. All right. Um, By the way, Chinaman is actually really it's supposed to be really offensive. So is Oriental, but people still use it. So credit to uh, credit to Brendan Schaub. If he's gonna pick on one race, you gotta pick on the one where people are gonna give you less shit about. It, I guess I don't know. I don't know how I get away with it, folks. To be honest, I'm I'm sitting here shitting on Schaub, and I'm, I'm fucking spouting <laughs> off the shit that I do. Moving on. Wow, this line moved. Uh, Brianna Van Buren, minus 125. Livia Hinata Souza, the Brazilian gangsta, plus 110, or plus 105. Um, you know, Van Buren, she, she's beaten some some quality chicks of late in, in Invictus. She's been fighting for a minute. She comes from that Gilroy, from that Gilroy area, a.k.a. So, you know, she's well-trained. She's got the DC, the DC rub, the DC connection. 
Uh, and she's beaten some quality gals, as I try to pull it up here in a second. Uh, but so has Livia Souza. She's beaten quality girls in the Invicta FC scene as well. And on the UFC scene, maybe not qual- the most quality, but she, she's at least you know fought on the UFC scene. I think some of them might have been shot notice replacements. But um, both these girls, I don't even want to touch the over on this one because both these girls like to finish too as well. Uh, very tough, very physical. Um, yeah, she beat Kylan Kern, Juliana Lima. I know a lot of people tend to beat and rear naked choke Kylan Kern, but but you know hey, Juliana Lima's decision. That's that's some quality. Uh, and Jamie Moyle, that's some quality. Uh, you know, round time there. So yeah, I, I'm sure if I watched closer, I could probably see why. But I'm gonna take Olivia Souza, uh, based on the experience and the plus money. Maybe you know who knows. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing something. Again, I didn't watch tape on that one, so don't don't follow me off no cliff there, but I'll take the dog. Uh, this one, I think he was the dog, and the line moved, but either way, now he's the favorite. Vince Morales, minus 130. Benito, Chinito Lopez. He's not Chinito, I'm Chinito. That's what they called me on the job site. No, uh, Benito. I don't know what Benito Lopez is nickname. He's plus 110. Uh, maybe for inactivity. He's a scrappy kid, but that scrappiness can get him into trouble, as we saw in his last fight, and even other fights before. And Vince Morales is scrappy, too, and we've seen him get him into submission trouble before. But, man, uh, do I like his heart. And now he's kind of uh, putting himself more in a position to win. He's moved down to Vegas, really revamping things, taking the fight on short notice, but was already in shape and training. So uh, I don't think it's going to be that much of a factor, but it is going to be a crazy fight to where uh, I actually watch footage in this fight, and it still makes my avoid list. I hate I hate it. I had two of the fights are like that, where I watch footage hoping to get something out of it, but I just did not feel confident on it. I'm taking Vince Morales here, um, but that uh, completes my avoid list. Four, I had uh, Van Buren and Souza actually on the avoid list, and Montano and Pena <clears throat> as well. Um, real quick, Smellator, since it's up, uh, Julia Budd, Olga Rubin. Olga Rubin's pretty athletic southpaw, man, so... She could stun Bud, but if not, I think Bud's wrestling is going to take over. Rafael Carvalho over Cheetah Ninja Kawani. I'm hoping Cheetah Ninja Kawani can just revamp now that he's up at middleweight. The dude like lost vision temporarily. His voice is permanently changed from cutting weight to welterweight. Let's see if he can turn it around. Can't help but root for that guy, but Carvalho, uh, <laughs> who weighed in at Beltor Hoy with the smallest towel ever and fucking uh, burned the eyes of many of us on press row. <laughs> I will take him. Uh, he comes from a really good striking camp. Uh, Juliana Velasquez. It's Christina Williams. I was at Velasquez's last fight at Bellator Hawaii in, in the post-fight scrum room. I totally spaced on her first name, and I was just and I, and then I was like, like Velasquez. <laughs> and I said it like like I was like a fucking and funny Kenny. Like he actually got the reference, and he's like, what are you, fucking uh, one of the crew, one of the Marines from Aliens? Aliens 2? Velasquez! Just point the way. <laughs> That's great. The best aliens, by the way. Aliens 2. That fucking shitty Halo game just ripped it off, pretty much. Uh, anyways, uh, I'll take her and Ed Ruth to get back on track over Kuichi Kunamoto. Underrated card on the prelims there, but recapping our picks from top to bottom here. Taking Aspen Ladd over GDR. Taking Ricky Simon Vato over Uriah Faber. Taking Josh... Fury Road, Emmett over Mirsad Bektik. Taking Carl Robeson over Wellington Charman. Taking Marvin Vittori over Cesar Fajera. 
taking Mike Rodriguez over John Allen. Taking Shaman. Come on, Shaman. Uh, actually, I'm not taking Shaman. I'm taking Andre Feely over Shaman Bryce. <laughs> taking Juliana Pena, Pena over Nico Montano. Taking Ryan Hall over Darren Oakland. Taking Ping Wang Lu over Jonathan Pedro Martinez. Taking Livia Hinata Souza over Viana Van Buren. Taking Vince Morales over Benito Chenito Lopez. Uh, straight play Emmett, one unit, plus 140. Emmett round three, taking a flyer on there for a quarter unit, plus 1425. Uh, taking a shot on Hall by sub, plus 170 for a unit. Fights to avoid, at least on my end. Feely, uh, Feely Morales, uh, Montano Pena, uh, Van Buren Souza. Morales Lopez. Apologies again for the late episode. We're going to be back on track. I'm also um, probably going to have to wait till after Contender Series. I'm actually going to be putting in for a vacation to do it, folks. But uh, we're going to get this YouTube channel up and running. I actually uh, purchased some things as far as uh, making my makeshift studio here. It's going to happen. Got to look into some things as far as a camera so I don't have to just use a laptop one. Got mics, got lights, got all that good stuff. Just got to get it set up. And I want to start doing uh, watch parties for pay-per-views um, just for fun and also just to get some kind of live talking commentary chops. Uh, you know... Um, Hey, man, you got to put yourself out there if you want to get those jobs, right? You can't complain. You got to do it yourself. And uh, also want to do start doing post fights on the regular, like on Sundays uh, or after the events, depending on how uh, <laughs> how much sleep or how much alcohol I might have had. Uh, you know, but but the, the, those things are coming. I really want to start talking more about these fights more after the fact, which will encourage me to get things done earlier here. Again, apologies. A lot was going on this week, but have a good weekend. Thanks for tuning in. Good luck with your picks and plays, and always protect your necks.